Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inside Futsal's coverage of UEFA Euro 2022. And joining us is a guest I have been waiting all tournament long to get, the man over at Cuatro Zero, one of the best, absolute best futsal podcasts on the planet, Valerio Scalabrelli. I know I got that right this time. Valerio, yeah. welcome to the show, right. my friend. How are things out in Italy? <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris, for inviting me uh, to, to to this show. Really, I'm truly excited, truly excited, truly honored to be here. Well, I've been waiting a while for it out there. You know, for those who don't know, Valerio uh, is on Twitter. You can get his name uh, online very easily, and you got to check out Cuatro Zero, like I said. But this man is information overload, and that's always a good thing here on Inside Futsal and for the Futsal community. And today is a day off. This is Wednesday afternoon. We went through some amazing quarterfinal matches out there. And it has been a marathon so far. <laughs> it's been an amazing tournament. This might Euros be the best Euros. The it's well, really... let, let me ask you. The, yeah, the Copa America, I have to catch up on out there with all of... Actually, it was your help in helping me and everyone else find where to follow the games, how to watch the games, if you wanted to see it in Spanish, Portuguese, English. Oh, it's been fantastic. Um, I still got to do some catch-up today in watching the games. Uh, my beloved Ecuador and, and uh, some friends in Colombia are saying, hey, you know, let us, let us know how you enjoy it out there. But I got to be honest, we're in the middle of this Euro, my friend, and we are talking about the quarterfinals. Uh, let, let's, let's get right down to the Portugal-Finland game, the first game on uh, Monday that happened. You know, coming into the match, you know, Portugal are heavy favorites. European yeah. champions, world champions, uh, those national team of the year at the Futsal Awards. I mean, they cleaned up. But we saw what was going on with Finland, you know, this emerging team hidden up in Scandinavia, you know, near the Baltics. World Cup qualifications, Finland were actually beating Portugal 2-0 during qualifying. They beat Spain in 2019. They caused Italy more than a few headaches getting over into uh, qualifying. And now, in their first ever appearance at a major international tournament here, they make the quarterfinals. What did you think of this wild game? Well, um, I believe that the reason why Finland has reached this eight and has never done before. They never, they, they never did before. Um, it's because they, the FA did something that uh, some other emerging nations have faced are still not doing. So what is that? Importing teachers more than students. Uh, Miko Matic, let's talk about him. Let's talk about the, the hero of Finland, the Finland's hero, uh, Miko Matic highlighted the importance of teachers in a sport where too much reliance is still placed on students' uh, self-management. Um, what I'm talking about, and who are the students? The students are the, let's say, Brazilian-born players imported by uh, nations such as Georgia, let's say, but also Italy and all the Azerbaijan, uh, all the countries where mm, there is no culture of futsal there's not a, a strong culture of futsal and and i believe they try to fill the gap with the other nations by importing talents importing talents from where from the country where there is the top culture of the game so they're so culture advanced brazilians that are so culture advanced that they can they overproduce the the the, the, the amount of athletes for, for their teams, for the national team, for all their clubs, basically. Um, Finland has decided to put the step, they, they, they foot in, in another direction. Um, that is, we don't need to import players. We don't need to import um, students. We need to import a teacher, someone who knows the game, who can recognize talent, who can recognize potential, who can develop our own potential we don't want probably finland has never decided to compete against spain portugal and, and brazil has never been their uh, their their aim their goal but they decided to 
create this new path, created this mm, interesting way of growing culture, of growing a culture of uh, developing a team that could compete among the against the very best and among others in, uh, in, in the continent. And they did it. They did it very well. Miko Martic, mm, you know, has completely changed not just the attitude of Finland, but the identity, because he gave the deserved space in the world to players such as Pauna Utio. Uh, I hope I pronounced it well. Um, I think that's how I was going to do it too. And uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, he just retired after this game, 16 seasons, captain, 100 goals in the Finnish jersey. Uh, he's one of my uh, favorite players to watch in this tournament with a lot of heart. But I want you to continue your point about uh, changing the identity. Yeah, he changed the, the um, Finnish identity because um, he um, has been called to be in charge of a team that most commonly was the classic uh, Nordic um, national team. You know, they are really strong, physically strong, but tactically not so comfortable, let's say, not so prepared. He gave tactic. Uh, athletic preparation to to the Finland's national team. He gave also uh, he highlighted mm, many players, many many protagonists, many actors. Uh, they gave he gave him he gave them the the, the right space in uh, not just in the national team, but, but even on how can I say. Mm, on important major events, so not just in the country, but even outside, even in the continent, in those continental uh, events, such as the World Cup qualifiers, the European Championship, European qualifiers as well. So uh, he planted the seed for a new Finland. He grew, he grew Finland, he grew the Finnish talent with patience, which is really needed. And, um, and yeah, we, we we can now see all the fruits that's coming on, that's coming off the the tree, uh, and he really really did a, an amazing job. It really is truly is truly amazing what he what he has done what he has done with with Finland. And I really I would like to see him in Italy, to be honest. Who knows if there are clubs uh, that can that can. Call him to to lead the to, to lead the club to, to to coach in Italy, because we really we really need a coach like him in Italy. Well, I think you're gonna have to get in line because that is gonna be one of the hottest coaches in the free agency market. I think there's gonna be a lot of national teams and a lot of clubs really reaching out to Miko. Uh, whatever he was earning in Finland, I think that uh, price is about to go up a little bit higher for sure. And what he did, you know, everything you said was completely spot on. And you could see it in the, in the Finnish players. And you could see Finnish fans traveling still during the pandemic in a limited capacity arena. And they're still out there coming to support their team. I don't know if you could say before Miko came how many Finnish futsal fans there were. I think there's got to be a lot more now. Um, and ultimately, that team's on the right path because of his legacy out there. And whoever does pick him up next certainly is going to benefit from his experience, his leadership, uh, and uh, his overall ability uh, to take a program and make it become something uh, that they believe they can win. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds for Futsal well, Planet you know, Miko Martic. You know, Chris, the best thing that Miko Martic has done, has, has proved, it was that Futsal is truly inclusive. It's truly inclusive sport. Um, anyone can be able to compete at a high level as, as long as they can adapt to change, to the development, to the mutation of futsal over the years without distorting the basic qualities, without distorting the, um, the basic skills, the uh, natural, natural, um, natural skills, let's say this way. So he changed the identity of, of Finland because he said, you don't have to, uh, there, there are no stereotypes in futsal. He, the, he proved that there are no stereotypes in futsal. Stereotypes are just a thing that, does, that don't exist, don't exist in futsal, should not have space in futsal. And he said that Finland, he proved that Finland 
has a lot of talent. Unknown, mostly unknown, but he proved them. He, he proved everyone, everyone on on the planet that uh, any nation can be can grow their talent, their local talents, and can compete at a high level. No question about it. Then I mean, you know, going back to this specific game out there, I mean, we saw obviously number one, Miko cracked a hundred games in his career uh, yeah. in the final group stage match. So I mean, the, to crack the century mark, and we saw that jersey online. Uh, that the federation gave him that was a nice touch but you know with portugal you know moving on to the guys who advanced you know with that you know 3-2 victory we, we saw big performances uh you know from uh, adolfo uh, jesus who you know had two goals was you know very mature found himself open um you know we saw uh, another beautiful mm -hmm. move uh you know by hosio uh, over on uh, Finland, where he just kind of, uh, you know, made that subtle move behind the goalkeeper and then just chested it in. It was a nice goal. Uh, Andre Souza wishes he had that one back. But I, I was quite impressed um, with uh, both Miguel uh, Angelo, but also with uh, Fabio uh, Cecilio. And uh, Fabio, obviously, you know, a veteran defender out there, plays over at Braga. Who were the standout players for you in this game, particularly for the winning side? Well, Afonso uh, Jesus, Pani Varela, but everyone has been has been useful for for achieving what they what they aimed. So achieving the semifinals, everyone. The point is that Chris um, is this um, Jorge Bras is the head of a phenomenal team. He's representing a movement that has grown wonderfully in recent years, and is capable. This movement, the Portuguese movement. Uh, has proved to be capable of producing athletes of excellent quality and who know how to make the difference at a young age. So I, you mentioned Afonso Jesus. How could we not mention Zikite? Zikite it stands above all. <laughs> Zikite is the, it's a phenomenal pivot. It's um, a concentration. It's a mix of physicality and dynamism that make him really stand out at a very young age. He's 21 and has won anything. Has won any 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 trophy I, I, he has won the champions league with sporting portugal with sporting club de portugal he has won the uh tasa da liga he has won the liga placard he has won the uh the world cup with portugal he probably just the euros are missing on his on his list probably i don't know but you can see he represents very well the new generation of portuguese player um how do, i don't know to be honest how much uh, Portugal is investing in in their future, in the future of, of, of futsal in the country, uh, in terms of competitive performance and quality stability. But they really hope that the FA uh, will, uh, the FPF, the Federação Portuguesa, the the football, I believe, I, I guess. Your Portuguese uh, is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I try to improve day by day, <laughs> even with the help with uh, with my friends uh, such as João Tiago. Uh, and others, uh, Paula, for example, Maria, uh, they they really uh, stand out on Twitter. So no question, check, Maria check and Paula. I've, I've had them. Tell, tell the our audience to to check them out on on Twitter. Yeah, you got to check out uh, Paula Ferreira Lobo and Maria Pinto Jorge. And you know what? They've both been on the show in the past week. You got to check out those episodes on Spotify and YouTube. But you know who I want on the show? You got to get me Joao Tiago. Yeah. You got to message him. I that guy's graphics, uh, every tournament that, that he's oh, so detailed. He's a professor. I mean, the guy's a student of the game, and I want him on the show. So uh, put it put in a good word for me. Tell him I'm not that bad of a guy. Absolutely, <laughs> I will tell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you mentioned Pani um, in particular, and and one thing I've been asking every guest throughout this show. Um, what were your thoughts on the 2021 Futsal Awards uh, that came out about uh, ten days ago? I really hoped you would have never asked me this question. I asked the hard stuff over here, guys. <laughs> but no, no, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Um, I believe that futsal is, is futsal is an art, right? It's an art. It's a form of art, and as any form of art, um, is is subject is a um, it has different perspectives. Let's say. So there are some people who loves it, some people who tends to be um, 
on the opposite side, so maybe decide to, to not watch futsal anymore. So this happens with futsal. Imagine with the protagonists, imagine with the actors. So for some people, Pani Varela is the best in the world. For others, it's Ferral, it's Sid Ferral. For other guys, just like me, Alex Merlim is the best, is the real best, even though he has never had the chance never had this not probably this this year the last year last year he didn't have the chance to to compete uh, on a world stage with with italy and that hurt him i think because in he, the voting i know it hurt him with me even though i know his work uh at the club level is easily top five phenomenal. there's no taking that away at all. <laughs> so but it was the lack of the, a world thing, cup that, that hurt him yeah yeah, the thing that impresses me the most about Alex Merlim is his feint, his move, his dribble, his dribbling, which is you. He does the same move every time, and every time, the defender does not know where he goes. Every time he does the same exact move, so he tries to carry the ball, he carries the ball, he waits for the opponent, then switches immediately, suddenly to the left or to the right, and he kicks it. But the defender does not know what, what, what to do, basically. It's funny you mention that because uh, your uh, paisan over there, Emmanuel Eriso, another guy everyone should be following yeah. on social media, he, he made a beautiful analogy. Uh, me and Steve Harris uh, from Futsal Japan were talking about it uh, when he was describing uh, Robinho over in uh, Russia. And he's, yeah. like, he's like the magician that shows you how the trick is done, and yet he still fools you. And that's the kind of same thing exactly. that uh, Alex Merlin does uh, when he's he's playing. You know, I love that analogy. And so uh, there you, are, guys, you guys are so philosophical yeah, over in Italy. I love the way you guys describe these things. So keep going. Yeah, they are no. Yeah. You you say you said it all. Yeah, they are unique players, uh, one of a kind. But I believe that this kind of players can be uh, cloned. Let's say. Um, you probably cannot clone uh, a guy like uh, Alex, uh, a player like Alex Merlim or a player like Rubinho, but you can um, teach new, the new generation of players how to be like them to get closer. So to play one-on-one in isolation, to, to play in a one-on-one on the, um, on the right side, on the left side, and to immediately switch the, the pace like Alex Merlim, you can play, I don't know, there are other unique players right now, like Sergio, Sergio Lozano, for example. So you can, you can teach a player not to be like Sergio Lozano, but to um, learn how to stay on the field like him. These are qualities that, yes, are unique, are absolutely unique. These players are unique, but you can still teach them, this new generation of players, how to uh, perform like them, how to uh, learn how to stay on the field like like them. Well, let me ask you, who did you vote for uh, in your top five? Who would you have? I'm going with it. I'm getting all the milk out of this cow, my friend. If you give me uh, a little bit of time, I can search for my for my for my votes. We can talk uh, about me. them. But yeah, I... you can look it up. Don't worry. It's no really slide. yeah. No, it's good stuff. Right. I mean, uh, I, I had a, a Paula on, and Paula's like, I go through all 91. Uh, votes out there i'm like you are the most hardcore futsal journalist in the world if you're going through all 91 out there and uh one thing's for sure though she needs a vote for next year so i think we both need to uh eventually write to luca and say hey here's uh here's some females that uh, need to get on the ballot especially uh since futsal planet did an amazing job in increasing the amount of awards uh for women's futsal which we want to see more of so now the next thing you got to get female voters. I mean, you just can't have the men vote. Absolutely. Absolutely, there are too many, too many men. I mean, there are no women's. That's the point. There are no well, there's, women. There's there are no... Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of um, uh, of professionals, journalists, opinion opinion makers that are women, follow the game, and are even well prepared. Well prepared. More than in some cases, more than more than many of us. For example, more than a, more than me, I'll take I'll, I'll put uh, Maria and and Paula ahead of me on the voting. Paula Nels, for example, Carla. There are there are many there are many women that deserve to be 
to be in the in the same place of of ours. How about this as an idea? You have 91 right now, all men. Add nine more, make it an even hundred for next year. Those nine, all women. Well, this this could as be this could be yeah, this could this could be an idea. Maybe maybe also a 50-50 format for, for the awards. The 50% of men, 50% of women. You know what? It'd be interesting to see the breakdown of it. Um, I know that there's obviously a lot more, um, you know, men journalists and, and people involved in futsal that are male. I mean, we don't even have a women's futsal world cup yet. Uh, we don't yeah. even have a team here in Canada or the United States, you know, and we know England doesn't have any teams. Um, you know, you know, I, that's a dig. And so, uh, yeah. Australia, same thing. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm serious about England because we have a lot of people listening from England. Uh, and and yeah. they need all the support they can get from the futsal community because it's a great futsal country with potential, uh, but they're just not being supported uh, by their federation. And, um, you know, we're happy to see other federations doing investing. Morocco, Brazil now stepping up with CBF, uh, the Russian Federation obviously doing what they can. Uh, the, the Royal Federation in Spain, you know, putting an emphasis on there. there there's a lot. So, you know, we just need to see more women's futsal. And, and every episode I've mentioned it. Um, you know, if a girl's tired on some people's ears, too bad. Let's do something about it, and then I'll stop talking about investing in the women's game. And that's not going to happen until the day I die because, well, I have two nieces that play futsal, and I was raised by my grandmother and my mother. So for me, it's important to, you know, back up the women uh, on the court and off the court as well. And that leads me to my next question, I guess. Well, do you have your votes up yet? Yeah. Before you answer them, right who – how um, – how do you think at the end of history people are going to look back on the eight player of the year awards that Amangenia has achieved by the age of 26? Where does that fall in to the history uh, of awards in the sport and even just in even bringing football into it? Because Messi and Ronaldo never did it. Um, I mean, Falcao and Ricardinho never hits seven, let alone eight. And this girl's 26 years old. Well, I believe that in 10, 20 years, when they will look back to what we voted, what we witnessed also, um, they, I'm sure they, they will recognize the amount of talent we were able to, to watch, to be really to live, to live in first person. Um, because you know it's really hard to to decide who is the best in the world. It's really hard. It's a hard choice. It's not easy for anybody, for anybody. So I I can feel anybody who has not voted for Ferrao, seeing Ferrao winning again, when probably some others deserve more to be to be on the uh, on the top place. You know, but. It's really hard to to choice because there are different there are different views, different perspectives. Uh, probably some people didn't watch all the games, and some people, some other people, probably mm, tend to be try to be more um, the patriotic. Let's say, right? They have rose-colored glasses. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of it's not it's not. It's something personal. Let's say it this way. It's something personal. You use this attribute who you consider the best. And if you prefer Ferrao over Pani, it shouldn't um, create a hot discussion or it shouldn't create a uh, rivalry between uh, between no. fans. I, don't, I, I hope it will never happen, to be honest, because uh, we should recognize that they are all top talents. I mean... I got the, the candidates, the nominees here. Um, Merlin, Ferrao, Pito, Eric, Pani. They're all great players. They're all great. In all, in all the things they, they do, in every match they, they play, they're all great. So it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I respect everyone recognized. who voted but I, I mean, I respect everyone who voted for Ferrao, but I voted for Pani Valera because I consider him the really top talent at the, mo at the moment, the top player. 
I think everybody that's been on the show has agreed with Pani is the top of this <laughs> year. But, you know, it's it's something where, you know, Fahau has built a brand for himself where people are looking at him as the next or the new, uh, I should say, not the next. Uh, he's won three awards already. Um, you know, he is the new, you know, uh, Falcao, the new uh, Ricardinho. Um, and, and ultimately, I think... Uh, you know, it's something where it's good to brand our superstars. I just, the one difficult thing about futsal is that there's just so much of it now that it's difficult to watch. Uh, for me, it's difficult to watch uh, the Italian first division because we, we don't get it in Canada. We don't get the Russian league. So we try to find the highlights. We try to read the statistics. Uh, people will try to share live, you know, feeds of games in different countries, but you can only watch so much in between full-time work and free yeah. time and spending it with the family. So, you know, it's something to take um, the, the serious time. When the awards come out, I, I take a lot of time to really go through a lot of the numbers. I try to watch as many, um, you know, footage uh, of big games as possible. And ultimately, I think most people are voting on performance as well as victories and, and how big those victories are. I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, I got a lot of, you know, stick, as we like to say, from my friends in Brazil. They're like, how did you not vote for a Fajal in your top five? And I said, well, I put Rodrigo instead over uh, for Magnus because of his impact on the national team as well as at the club. Um, and for me, obviously, I put the Pammy first, but I also was a very big fan of Pito. Um, anytime that guy steps on the court, people don't realize he changes the game in the snap of a finger. He is so intimidating and so fast and physical, uh, and he goes where the ball is going, not where it's been. And his intelligence, I put him in there because of it as well. But with the Mangina, it was just to see eight consecutive awards. I mean, what can you say about this girl? Now she's over in Spain, really going to test herself uh, in the top flight out there. Uh, what, what can you say about uh, the superstar in the female game? There is a huge problem, Chris. There are so many talented players. But on the other hand, there, are, there is not, not so easy to, to follow all the games. Even because not all the games are streamed, not all the games are visible, not all the talents yes. are are shown to the to the wide audience. That's the main problem with female futsal. Female futsal exists, but we don't know. We don't. We are not. We are not aware of of it. We are, we we cannot say the the same thing of of all the fans, the real fans that are following the game. I mean, men's futsal is everywhere for us, of course. Not for not for the worldwide audience, not for the sports audience, so the global audience. But for the futsal community, men's futsal is well known. We cannot say the same for female futsal. And that's a huge problem. There is the gender gap between men's futsal and female futsal and women's futsal that needs to be, uh, needs to be fixed say how give more visibility to women give more visibility give more chances to female uh, professionals to female journalists to to talk about not just women's futsal but also men's futsal even if it's most it's most important to to talk first about women's futsal because this game they they deserve to be uh, put into the spotlight as much as the men's game and the reason why Amandinas won, once again, is because probably most of the voters are not sure who to who to who to, cho who to choose to about among the all the the candidates. And I can feel it. I mean, I was talking about with with Emanuele, and we were wondering who is the real best in the females game. We decided. I don't remember who I voted, to be honest. Um, yeah, probably Peke, someone Peke, from Barella, yeah. I can, I can uh, bring into this, this episode my, uh, my votes. I voted for Peke, then for Emily Marcondes, then for Luana uh, de Mora, then for Janice, then for Renatinha. Why? Because I watched them. I didn't vote for Amandinha. Because I never, I have never been able to watch Amandinha play. That's the real, the thing that we are missing. A ton of possibilities for for female futsal. I didn't vote for Amandinha because I never watched Amandinha. 
there's nobody talking about Amandinha playing the game. There's a lot of hype around them, around her. Now that is, she's in Spain, I can watch more of her. Absolutely. But all the times she has been in, in Brazil, nobody talked talk to me about the Brazilian League, the Brazilian Women's League. Who knows about it? Who, who is the, the journalist in charge of promoting? Who's the, uh, I don't know, let's say social media strategies or the, the, the people in charge of promoting the league and promoting the game? That's the whole point. Yeah, we're definitely needing more. Um, we need more media, period, covering the game. Absolutely. And the way to do that is to have superstars build, and media is a part of building them as well. Uh, but the, it's, it, the onus is on the leagues and the clubs to do it. Um, and you said social media is a massive uh, component of that strategy, and you actually happen to be uh, a very well-renowned uh, European uh, social media strategist uh, with experience around the world. So what would you recommend? Uh, in your professional opinion, that clubs and leagues do to promote their players and kind of create superstars in the sport of futsal? Be more on social media. I mean, <laughs> you're talking <laughs> to a social media strategist, and social media is the, the new media uh, has gained a lot of attention, interest, involvement, and it's, going, it's growing day by day, month by month. And it's really is really taking a lot of field, it's gaining a lot of field in comparison with trad media. You know, uh, the younger generation are not watching TV anymore. They are more on social media, more on TikTok, for example, more on Twitter, more on, I don't know, Instagram as well, YouTube, not on TV. They don't, they are not watching, I don't know, which is the your channel, CBC, am I wrong? Yeah, that's one of them. Exactly. I don't know how many kids watch, not kids, let's say the teenagers watch CBC or other TV channels. But there are a lot of Twitch. They are spending a lot of time on, on Twitter, on TikTok. That's for sure. So if we want to, to build a community, a strong community, an inclusive community, and if we really want to let the female game be known around the world, we need to invest in social media. We need to invest also, also in a growing participation, physical, so active participation. In We need to invest in, um, in the youth academies, so in female youth academies, not just in male youth academies. So we really need this balance between offline and online. So online, social media, offline, Youth academies. This is how you grow interest. This is how you attract new, not just new players, but also new fans. You have to create the desire with the fans, especially Absolutely. for a sport. I've always believed that if people taste the futsal soup, they love the flavor. And it's one of those things that, you know, you, you just, you can't watch the sport and legitimately and honestly say that it's not entertaining. It's more exciting than football. I don't care who tries to argue with me. You have more goals, more saves, um, you know, more fancy moves. It's just great. The sound of the arena. It sounds like you're in the Colosseum, you know, from, you know, ancient Rome times. And, and it's, it's something that people, once they get a taste of it, they love it and they want more of it. But I think we really need to build more stars. And I think you're absolutely right that a lot of the votes did probably go to a Manginia because it's the only female futsal player they know. And you, you don't have certain access to the Spanish League or the Italian League or what's happening in Russia or Ukraine. And I mean, to I don't fair, I'm, not against, yeah. I'm not against who voted for Amandinho. Oh, not at all. I mean, I, I, recognize, I recognize the problem with, the, with female futsal. We don't know anything about female futsal. There are just a few people, just a few professionals who talk, discuss about female futsal. But the amount of uh, male futsal discussions and female futsal discussions are incredibly different. Yeah, no, that, that's 100%. I'd like to actually have an episode or a series dedicated specifically uh, to female futsal and speak to experts who watch the games on a weekly basis, people who yep. are the commentators of these matches. 
and there's not a lot of them that speak English, so I'd probably have to do some translation on it, but it's something that needs uh, more attention. And I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to the Spanish league in particular this year, uh, primarily because of Mangini is there. It's like if Michael Jordan went to play uh, in a different country or, you know, Ronaldo went to, to play in Juventus, everyone all of a sudden is following Juventus. Messi goes to PSG. People who didn't even care about football that were living in France and particularly starting to follow it. So this has got to be a similar uh, pathway, I think, to make that happen. So, you know, interesting thoughts moving forward on it. Well, let's move on from the Futsal Awards because I know we could do a whole episode with a whole bunch of people on that. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about, you know, Portugal, Finland going forward uh, or F Portugal going ahead of Finland on that. And they're going to be playing in the semifinals. Uh, someone very familiar to them. Spain over Slovakia. Spain advanced very dominant, uh, coming off a huge win against Georgia. Um, in their final group stage match. I think they won, what was it, 8-0, and then they beat uh, Slovakia 5-1 um, yesterday. Spain and Portugal in the semifinals. I yeah. mean, we saw them at the World Cup. It went, uh, you know, one of the most significant games out there. We saw them at Euro 2018. They've played each other uh, probably just as many times as two countries can possibly play each other um, in this sport. What can we expect, and what do you think is going to happen in this particular match? Okay, well, uh, to be honest, I didn't watch the match against Slovakia, but the highlights were enough, and all the games played by Spain were enough to convince me that Spain is going back to being the war machine we all we all have always uh, known. Mm, Fede Vidal is managing to find the right place with his men. Uh, he's managing to create a great family. You know, uh, Sergio Lozano is back to his duties. And oh, is he ever. Be... <laughs> The Terminator of futsal, Sergio Lozano. <laughs> I love that, be... the Terminator. I love it. I mean, it seems to be more, more splendid, seems to be brighter than ever before. And he has 100 caps. Uh, did you, you see that he got the jersey? What? So Lozano I mean, finally got 100 caps. It's pure gold. Any of his jerseys uh, are pure gold, but the, the last one probably... The more we we move up, we we go on, we witness his his greatness. Uh, the more his uh, his jerseys are definitely worth the money, absolutely. And to all of the all his jerseys after the injury, I mean, the, how special is it? This player we talked about him uh, on Saturday with uh, Maria, and it's just this guy is so special. Uh, you know what I mean? We 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 talked a, a big deal about you know, uh, Hicardinho coming back from his injury and then winning the World Cup. And you see Lozano with the serious injury finally coming back, earning 100 caps, uh, and now he's on the verge one more game, and he's in the final of the UEFA Futsal Euro. Uh, I mean, it's just such a special story. And Spain, the last two games, I mean, 13 goals, one goal allowed. Uh, this team means business. As you said, the war machine looks to be back. Um you know, what, what, are, what does Spain have to do to beat Portugal to advance? And what does Portugal need to do uh, to beat Spain once more to get to the final? This is a really tough question, but I believe I that the, the game changer could really be Lozano, Sergio Lozano. He's the, guy, he's the man, the player that Spain missed at the World Cup. He's the kind of player who can really change the dynamics of the game for Spain, and against the, 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 the opponents. You know, it's unpredictable. At this age, because not, he seems to be younger, <laughs> younger than, than, he, than he proves to be. Um, he, he, really, he really is the, he still is the, the leader of the, of, um, not the title favorites, because they are not anymore title favorites, as much as Portugal or as much as Russia. Then we will talk about Russia. Um, but Sergio Lozano can really bring Spain to the ace we we were used to to see them. We we always we always uh, we have always uh, um, see we always seen them in in the past. So I, I believe that Sergio Lozano is the real game changer for Spain. The confidence around the Fede Vidal uh, way of Mm, conceiving futsal is growing, but I believe it's, I still believe that Portugal is the the real favorite of the of the match, because you know um, 
the gradual generational change seems to have not weakened the their um, tactical, the technical tactical dynamics. Jorge Brasa has already shown it to to the world that he's a really smart, he's really wise. He's he's managing in in the way he's managing the the, the transition, and he's giving each player their own space in the squad. But it's obvious that Spain should not be underestimated. That's the point. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be one of those matches where you might as well flip a coin because these teams are so evenly matched and so close, um, and the rivalry is super strong. You know, for years, Spain were dominant, and Portugal just couldn't crack that nut. And then we saw what happened at the last European Championships, and then, of course, at the World Cup, that quarterfinal match, and actually have a, a game ball from that one. It was a nice, uh, nice little exchange uh, I received out there. So one of my prized possessions was from that Portugal-Spain game. But as you said, there was no Lozano at the time. Um, and, I mean, the Portuguese team, it's its not new. I mean, most of the team is still here, obviously, because the World Cup was only a couple of months ago. Um, but we're seeing, you know, people really step it up. We're seeing Zicky. Um, he's improved in the last four or five months in a way I didn't expect him to accelerate. And the kid's 20 years old. And, of course, when she's old. Is he 21 now? Yeah. Well, we, he yeah, finally turned 21? Okay, so he's allowed to I have... I know a, he's, he's already 21, but he's... He's already 21? Okay, so we can have a, a bottle of beer in the United States finally. Good for him. And so, But he's still so young and able uh, to, to, to carry um, any situation on his back as a pivot. I mean, he's, he's moving in and out constantly, causing uh, teams to double team him at times because he's so long and so, so fast and talented. But, you know, the, the, the infusion, when I spoke to George Braz over in Lithuania, I asked him, you know, what was the consistency in the team's performance the last few years? And one of his primary answers was the constant rotation of young kids coming up to take uh, the older veteran spots. And it's very competitive, but everyone is united, unified together. I think, you know, you could make an argument, you know, with obviously Pani, uh, Eric, uh, I mean, there's so many players. Zicky, of course, winning the, the Young Player of the Year award. There is an argument still to be made that Spain have probably the best individual players, but Portugal are the better sum of their parts. And well, to, Portugal, is at, uh, Portugal is at their peak. It's the weirdest thing, is. too, because they're not dominant. Spain, I mean, we saw what happened with Georgia. We saw what happened with Slovakia. And, and I mean, even in their opener, you know, they, they won handedly by more yeah. than a few goals. But Portugal just find a way to win every single time. They scrap, they claw, they fight. And, I mean, they just they just don't like to lose. And, I mean, you have a European and World Cup champion defending team coming in. They certainly have to be favored, but really not by much against such a really wild Spain side. You know what's the most interesting part of the whole Spanish system? Uh, the whole, mm, yeah, Spain situation. They are so culturally advanced that the worst result they were able to obtain is still better than the one of the average partic participant. I mean, it's still better than the average of, of the participants. That's and this I'm referring to the the elimination of the quarterfinals of the last World Cup. It is a movement, the Spanish one, that really has grown organically, without shortcuts, and has always been able to adapt. To the change in futsal over the years. This is truly impressive. You could you you can expect this from from a country that lives for futsal as much as for football. And we remember in that in the World Cup final, um, or sorry, the World Cup quarterfinal with Spain and Portugal, it was a last second uh, goalpost hit by Spain. Spain would have gone on, and we wouldn't even be talking about Portugal as World Cup champions. Um, you know, had that goal gone in, except it goes to extra time. Portugal pulls in two goals, and the rest is history. But that's the beauty of our sport. You know, it's 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 a matter of uh, millimeters. Forget centimeters. It's so close. Um, you know, the difference between uh, champions and those that are forgotten in the tournament. So, I mean, I mean, my heart is with Portugal, um, but I would not want to be a person making the odds on this game. Uh, you know, to taking the favorite. I think you have to lean with Portugal because they're out there. But if you do, if you did have to make a prediction. What's the score at the end of the match for you? My God. <laughs> this I is tougher you I than the, the ones with me before. Um, the final score, probably probably Portugal, 
in extra time. Once again. So a repeat of the World Cup quarterfinal. There we go. I yeah, like absolutely. I like Portugal three to two, um, but I'm not going to be surprised if this one goes to penalties. Yeah, same score, same score, three to two, but in extra time. Yeah, yeah I believe that. they they will give us a hell of a hell of a show in the semifinal. Well, no question about yeah, I mean, that. I'm, sure, I'm totally sure about that. Well, it's going to be a great game. I, I can't wait out here. I mean, Friday. Um, you know, it's going to be Friday, uh, Friday evening in European time. Uh, it's going to be 1130 Eastern time. So that's New York, Miami and Toronto time. Uh, the game should be kicking off. Uh, might be 11, but I'm pretty sure it's 1130. But check UEFA.tv if you want to watch the matches for free, at least in Canada. Um, so I'm not sure how it is in Italy, who has the rights, but UEFA TV is doing a great job in showing all the games. You can see the highlights. You can even click. If you missed a goal uh, or a yellow card or a red card or anything, you can actually click on the event in the timeline and it'll actually take you to that highlight. I think it's fantastic. It's such a cool, valuable tool um, that if you know you show up late for 15 minutes and you see someone's up one nil, you get to actually see what happened instead of you know trying to go on YouTube like we had for years as futsal fans, trying to find highlights. Um, you know, <laughs> but moving moving on, I mean, we talked about this great Portugal-Spain match, but we got something really, really special. I mean, we saw what happened with Ukraine and Kazakhstan. We won't go too much into it, but, I mean, the Ukraine going against the team that lost on penalties in the World Cup semifinal to the aforementioned Portugal. Kazakhstan were a lot of people's favorites uh, to come in and win this championship this time around, but Ukraine, out of nowhere, you know, they lose their first match to the Netherlands. And everyone thought, okay, the Ukraine's finished. You still have to go through Serbia and you still have to go through Portugal. Ukraine gave Portugal serious, serious problems in their final group stage match. And then they come in and open with three unanswered goals against Kazakhstan uh, before, you know, Douglas Jr. rolled it back with an absolute beauty. Uh, Orozov got two goals in the game. Uh, I got to be honest, Ukraine advancing uh, ahead of Kazakhstan and in the fashion that they did this. Um, it's not too big of a surprise, but, oh, they definitely deserved it. What were your thoughts on the big uh, Ukrainian win against Kazakhstan? Well, I believe that um, Kazakhstan has relied on the same on the same actors that gave them all the glory in the past and and all the, the spotlight they really deserved, uh, from Kakao to Kaka. But I believe they are at the end of their cycle. They need to uh, to shift to a new generation of, of players because Higita is not eternal. Um, Douglas Jr. is not a bicentenary man. Um, so, you know, they really need to um, to, to change their generation, to change their... Um, to give new players the stage to perform not at the same level but um to match the expectation of Kazakhstan of Kazakh fans uh the point is is Kazakhstan ready for the generational change because generational change is something that will definitely happen there's no doubt about that but are they ready because the point is they um they Show that they shown that they are the end of the cycle of their uh, really glorious um, path to to greatness. Kakao started all the all this uh, movement, this new movement of um, Kazakh player uh, players, and um, Kakao has led them where nobody nobody really thought they would. Uh, no, nobody thought they would reach. They will be so they the four plays at the World Cup, for example. But Kazakhstan is really at the end of the cycle. It's not something they didn't lose the the game against Ukraine for tactical. Yeah, of course for tactical mistakes, but not because Ukraine is tactically um, or technically better, individually speaking, but because probably. Um, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan needs to to change now, to go on, 
So to they they are facing the the transition to a new era of Kazakh futsal. While Ukraine, on the other hand, is the real underdog of the tournament. Their futsal side is so fluid that it is truly enjoyable to for anyone taking their first step uh, in our uh, in our sport. The real strength of Ukraine is the group, and I believe that Alexander Kozenko wanted to put everyone on the same level. Um, the same level of importance, I mean. Because, you know, um, he gave anyone the opportunity to express themselves to their full potential. It is, this is really the, 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 secret of, the secret of Ukraine during yeah. this tournament, of course. The, the last two games has been an eye-opener. What they did to Portugal in that first half, uh, you know, it, it, Portugal is very fortunate to come out of that game on top of the group with the 1-0 victory. Um, but the way that Ukraine pressed them, and defensively, they were so unified. It was like a machine. Uh, and they were very athletic, extremely strong. Um, and then we saw again against Kazakhstan, they took it up another level, which I didn't think they were going to be able to do. We knew it was going to be close. I just didn't expect Ukraine um, you know, to dominate the majority of the match in the way that they did. So, you know, you know, Orozov now, what, seven goals in the tournament, uh, you know, top of the, you know, the golden boot race, you know, after only four games, you're talking about a reboot. Um, you know, what does, what does Kazakhstan need to do to maintain their status as one of UEFA and world elite in futsal? Not easy, not easy. But I believe that there are some things to change in, in the country. For example, uh, the league structure, um, the Yad academies. Probably it's too Kairat-centered. The league is too Kairat-centered. Their futsal, their development is too Kairat-centered. And they need to expand the uh, the talents in the country. They, they need, really need uh, to create more academies to invest more in futsal academies, in more in futsal in local talents, because our resolve to Zagorov are really great players. They really we they will still be um, in the playing. They will still play in the best futsal um, teams in the continent, no matter what. I'm sure about that. They probably will. Another thing they need in Kazakhstan is their players to go abroad and to play in other leagues. In Italian league, in the Portuguese league, in the Spanish league, they need to embrace new cultures, and to by embracing them, to grow, so to understand how other nations are growing, are investing in futsal. This is what they need. This is what any any emerging nation needs, to be honest. But they they need it especially because because really mm, this is what they need to, to yeah, this is what they need to, 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 to grow, not just to grow, but to establish themselves at the top of the, at the top of, at the, top of the world, let's say. Yeah, because if they, they don't, if they don't keep up the consistency out there, as the, the old saying goes, it's a long way to the top again. And uh, we saw that with uh, the Ukraine, and now they're back on top uh, in the semifinals, where they are going to face Russia. Could you have imagined? I mean, we could talk about, uh, you know, the Russia-Georgia game. You know, I'm, Russia. biting, I'm biting my lips not to well, talk it, about geopolitical issues that are going on. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I talked to my friend Nick, uh, who lives over in Russia today, and I'm excited yeah. to speak to uh, Kirill, who does a lot of the commentating over in Russia and is a very knowledgeable <laughs> Russian uh, fanatic. And I, I got to actually talk to Artem, who was on our episode, uh, I think, in episode three. Uh, one of the biggest Ukrainian futsal experts out there, and get the take on what it's like. How many people are going to watch this match in both Russia and Ukraine? Um, you know, what's the clash of styles? Who's going to come out? Because, I mean, Russia versus Georgia, it wasn't that Russia was overly dominant. Uh, it was they were able to dictate the pace of the game. And if it wasn't uh, you know, for the uh, the Georgian goalkeeper, you know, Russia could have won by a lot more goals out there. He had a phenomenal performance. Um, what's it going to mean for the Ukraine to face this Russian team? And I picked Russia to win this tournament at the beginning. I just thought they were phenomenal at the World Cup. 
Uh, I heard really great things and saw some clips of their training leading up to this event. And, and they're just, uh, they look like a juggernaut out there. Um, but they did show signs uh, of a, a few cracks in the Georgia game. Um, what do you anticipate in this massively important semifinal between Ukraine and Russia? Okay, let's start by saying that we are entering a geopolitical field, jokes apart. Um, we can say that futsal is about to experience a historic event in, in, in its history, but it's, it's so historical that it's so important that probably is the first time since uh, 2014 that Russia and Ukraine uh, met in a, in a sporting competition, in a sport competition, not just in a, in a futsal one, not just in a UEFA one, but probably in, if we take any sport in the world, probably this is the first time they meet in a major competition. And let us remember that we are talking about human beings before athletes, because, you know, they read newspapers, they listen to news, Absolutely. They are updated on the facts concerning their respective nations. They observe with their own eyes the changes in the world around them. Who knows? I, I, can, I can say, I cannot say how influential the political situation between these two states will be, will, will affect, uh, how influential this will be, will be in their performance and, and in the game. I don't know how the geopolitical situation will affect their... Uh, their their style of play they this their futsal i really don't do not know i really hope that they can give life to a unique show also giving us moments of fair play that we badly need that's for sure but this the geopolitical situation the geopolitical background that is giving us the all the preview to uh, to, to this match is really is concerning and we should treat it with uh, more, being more more serious, and be also trying to uh, put futsal first instead of politics. This is the chance of a lifetime to put futsal to put play first before politics. It's something you... that in football does not happen so much. I, I think the one good thing about it's getting too political football. I mean, yeah, th there's nothing good about the threat of war or invasion um you know from the political so there's nothing that good that comes from it but if, if there is something yeah. that you have to try and find that is a you know good thing for futsal is that it's going to put eyes on the game it is going to be of interest yeah. no politicians are going to watch um and i think general sporting fans or patriots who may have never watched futsal are going to tune into this and enjoy it what i would love to see for those people tuning into the sport for the first time and and watching it is i would love to see a show of sportsmanship an opportunity between russian players and ukrainian players uh, coaching staff on both teams to come together at center court maybe exchange uh the badges or flags or something or hold hands arms around each other whatever it is just a nice show of sportsmanship so showing solidarity and peace um i'd love to see it and then after that's done, nothing but pure futsal between two of the top teams, um, you know, right now in the world. Ukraine is really starting to come through. Uh, and Russia, I mean, you'd never discount them. They are former champions in this tournament. They've lost the tournament uh, several times um, in the silver medal position. But I'm expecting this game uh, to be just as good as that Portugal-Spain semifinal. Uh, so if you, if, you dude, if you did, dude, I was like, if you dude... <laughs> <laughs> watching too many American movies. Um, <laughs> if, if you had to pick uh, a winner for this Ukraine-Russia match, who are you going with and for what reasons? Well, you know, Sergei Skorovich is probably the most debated coach, most controversial coach in recent history for Russia. He's uh, so interesting as a guy. I, I love talking to him uh, through the translator in Lithuania. I believe it. I believe it. Well, you know, I believe that this can be the right year for them, for Russia. Russia is a really a, a laboratory of a lab of unparalleled talent. All the players available are capable of breaking the balance. Chiskala, Antoshki, Niazov, Abramov. Anybody, anybody can can really make the difference. 
in, the, in the event that they're called to. Yeah, you know, um, we, I, I usually, I personally love, uh, personally love Artem and Toshkin, but there are a lot of talented players in the Russian team. And the one I admire the most is, uh, of course, is Artem and Toshkin, because physically he does not give the idea of being so versatile um, and flexible, you know, adaptive and dynamic. Yet he knows how to shove a dynamics that combined with his height makes him truly uncomfortable for the opponents and a great support for his teammates. He's the real, the real surprise for, for Russia. I think he's a golden Balkan, uh, a, ball, a golden ball contender, surely. Even if Russia makes the final, Absolutely. he has to be a top three nominee. If he doesn't, I still think he's a consideration. I mean, five goals uh, throughout uh, the group stage and then uh, the match against Georgia, he, he just was allowing everybody to open up. Uh, you know, you detailed it absolutely perfectly. I mean, he's been the revelation of this tournament for many, many people. Absolutely. But, but on the other hand, even, even though I will bet on Russia to win the tournament, not just against Ukraine, I will bet on Russia to win the tournament. Um, I believe that it's fascinating how Ukraine has become the prototype of, model, of, the, of the modern futsal team. I mean, they combine the typical physicality of Eastern European teams, you know, uh, the Eastern European philosophy um, with a tactical intelligence and a technical capacity that makes them so unpredictable and also difficult to tame. So, yeah, Russia will win, in my opinion, but it won't, it won't be so easy. I, I believe that it, it will be uh, more balanced uh, than than everyone is expecting to be. Yeah, especially probably when... a final score. If you can ask me a, a final score, I will say two one, three two. Probably also penalties. Anything can happen. This yeah. is full solve. Yeah. yeah, I anticipate. You know, Russia's attack. I mean, the, every time you see them over in the opposing half it just they're so fluid they're so smooth uh they're they're relentless they're ruthless they they have it, it could be five nil six nil they don't quit they don't take their foot off of the pedal uh and i love that in a futsal team you know you Absolutely. you know that that team during training is putting every single ounce of mental and physical energy uh possible to achieve this goal and they want to make up for the elimination at the last world cup uh, by lifting the European Championship this year. So, I mean, I, I like your score. I like the 2-1 to one or 3-2. to two. If I did have to lean forward, um, I probably am going to go 3-2. to two. Normally, I would go a little shorter because Ukraine's not a real juggernaut, uh, you know, offensively. But, I mean, the five goals that they put against Kazakhstan, uh, you know, it really gave you, uh, you know, an opportunity to see what they can do there. So, I think I'll go 3-2 to two Russia in this circumstance. Um and I'm going to see, uh, hopefully, my prediction of Russia-Portugal in the final is what I'd like to uh, personally see, just so I can say that I was right. But uh, I don't think I can possibly go wrong if it turns out to be a combination of any of these four teams. I think the final, no matter who's in it, I think we're in for a real classic UEFA Futsal Euro Championship. Would you agree? Absolutely. 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 I believe that Russia, whether it would be Russia, Portugal, Ukraine, Spain, it would be a cracking game, fantastic show, 100%. I really agree totally with you. Well, I can't wait. I mean, the games are this Friday, and here we are Wednesday. I wish the games were a little later on today or even tomorrow. I'm just so hungry to watch more futsal, but that leads to the Copa America. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got to catch we're up starving. on the games. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, let me ask you. I got we were over an hour in. I told you the sweet spot was going to be what 45 to 50 minutes, but you know, you're so knowledgeable and so fun to listen to. I'm not going to follow any protocols on that out there. But if people need to find out where to hear you, where to uh, listen to the podcast, where do people go uh, on social media uh, to find everything that you're doing uh, and all the great stuff? You can find me on Twitter mostly. Um, Rio de Valle is my nickname. Is my nickname uh, R I O D E V A L E, Rio de Valle. And you can also find me on Quattro Zero, which you can see it uh, on screen. Uh, this the podcast. I I'm host of this podcast with uh, um, four friends that I found on Twitter. 
not joking. Well, to be honest, Simone, I already uh, knew Simone offline, but Fabio, Emanuele, and Davide, I all met them on, uh, on, on Twitter. So you can find us on Twitter mostly, and also on Spotify. Patro Zero is on Spotify. Uh, the, the the podcast the podcast uh, the podcast is running so uh, now the new shows new episodes will be uh, unveiled and uh, we know we wanted to have fun we decided to create Quattro Zero to have fun and talk about the the game we love. Well, now let me ask you: Is it uh, once a week? Once a month? Is it on a certain day? How long's the show? Well, we decided to do it uh, once uh, once a week. But we also have, you know, um, social lives and uh, other tasks, tasks. So uh, our own jobs. So <laughs> probably it's not it's not easy to keep up with the with the schedule. Um, but we try to to uh, launch each episode um, once a week. We try all Italian. So no no English, all Italian. That's okay. I got to practice my Italian for when I go over there. You know, it's something that uh, I, I had uh, my zio lived in Messina for a long time. So I, I spent a little bit of time in Italy, uh, particularly in uh, Sicilia, not Sicily. You know, I want to make sure that uh, my Canadese is coming up a little bit. But, you know, it's something where, you know, you guys are putting a great show together. And, uh, you know, once a week, you know, you got some of the best guests out there in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Valerio Scalabrelli. From Quattro Zero, an authority, absolute authority on Italian futsal, but also on this European championship that we're following every single day here on Inside Futsal. And of course, all around the world, you know, there's a reason why this man is in demand. So, Valerio, thank you for joining me. And you know, you're coming back sooner than later on the show, right? Chris, I want to, I want to uh, say to you in Italian. Grazie mille per avermi invitato e Prego. un saluto a tutti. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. And once again, follow Quattro Zero and Valerio Scalabrelli. We'll see you guys tomorrow as we have another guest coming in over there uh, that actually was a part, other book over here, Valerio was a part of out here. So we'll talk to Jamie tomorrow and uh, talk a little yeah, bit about uh, that absolutely. beautiful book that he wrote. And we'll make sure to mention Valerio's name tomorrow. Till then, this is Inside Futsal, episode number nine with the UEFA Futsal Euro Championships. Have a great day.